There are many stories that can be told in this land. Life here is difficult. Hunger and disease are ever-present. But that is not the story I want to tell. I could tell you of a revolutionary war which ended in 1975, and a 10-year civil war that followed. I could tell you the story of why the Mozambican flag is the only one in the world with an automatic weapon on it. While these are compelling stories, these are not the story I want to tell. I want to tell you a love story, a story of hope where there has been no hope, a story of belief in a desert of doubt. This is the story of our great creator and the love he has for his people. Welcome. Uh, my name's Jack. If we haven't met, I'm the lead pastor here. And today's a pretty, uh, pretty special day because we have our, our uh, miss- missionaries from Africa. I don't know if you know this, but we support, you support three uh, missionaries right now. And these guys just happen to be in the States, and they made the effort to, to swing by for a couple of days. And um, so it's just a real privilege to have them. Um, Scott and Lisa uh, are their names. And Scott and I actually go way back. Um, some of you may have had families that you grew up with where, you know, you were so close at a young age that you just thought you were all related. That's how these guys didn't know he wasn't really my brother until I was about nine or something. Um, we went to church together. We were always at each other's houses. Um, and we're all still close today. But from a young age, um, Scott's uh, aunt and uncle were missionaries in Africa. And that's actually who they, they took over for. Um, but... We always knew he was going. He, he had the little, he would study the little African animals. He had these little cards that he, he would study all the time, and he knows everything about. Um, he, you don't know much about, what are those birds here? Pelicans. He was surprised yesterday that we had pelicans here. I said, of course we have pelicans. Where would they be? But anyway, so uh, Scott and I go way back. And Lisa, she's a, an author. She's written over 30 books, and she will have some of her books out for sale. This is one of the ways that they support their ministry. And I just want you to pray about and think about um, uh, uh, offering for them. Uh, they'll have a basket out there. You can write it to Vineyard, and um, they'll have a, a basket in the lobby. And also to pray about a short-term maybe trip. We'll probably take a team next year. We've, we've sent a couple teams and um, it's a long ways, but I guarantee you uh, it'll change your heart forever. So um, let's give a big, warm Windsor welcome for Scott. 
Thanks, Jack. Uh, these are a couple of the books. My wife writes Christian fiction. She's an award-winning author. Uh, these are some of her older books, but these are take place in Africa. Um, so if you're interested, we have a few of those left. First Service bought most of what we had available. Um, also, stop by, sign up, as Jack said, to come. Also, if you want to hear any stories about Jack when he was a little child, I can give you plenty of ammunition to use against him. And I'll be happy to do that. Very freely, I will give those stories. Of course, I've got to be careful. He might start telling stories about myself. Uh, we are so honored and happy to, be, to partner with this church, uh, with Vineyard here in, in Windsor. Actually, interestingly enough, quite a few years ago, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 20 years ago, my grandparents moved and lived here in Windsor for a number of years. So that's how I, I learned of Windsor, back before Vineyard was even here. Um, we're serving in Mozambique, Africa. Most people don't know where Mozambique is. Don't feel bad if you don't. One time I was speaking to someone and they go, well, where are you from? And I, I usually say South Africa because I figure most people could figure out where South Africa is. And this girl said, South Africa, is that in South America? And I go, no, it's in Africa, South Africa. And it's not a, it is a country. It is not uh, the continent. Anyway, we're there in the orange country there where the arrow shows, right across parallel to Madagascar, which thanks to Disney or Pixar, or whoever puts out the, the Madagascar movies, people have heard of that. So we're across the, the water from them. No, we cannot see the island. No, you cannot take a boat. Well, I guess you could. It would be a very long boat ride. It's about 1,000 kilometers, uh, 500 miles away. So we don't swim there on our day off just to go visit to see if we see the lemurs. Anyway, that's where we are located. Next slide, please. We are all about discipleship and planting the kingdom of God in a place where he doesn't have much of a presence. Our focus has always been on unreached people groups. So that means less than 2% would be evangelical Christians of any kind. And so we target the Tonga people. Um, but as part of African Outreach Ministries, that's our ministry, we still have works in Zambia, Zimbabwe, where we have also planted churches and works I was excited this year in August. I went to the top picture, the top left, right. Anyway, with all those people there, they had a 20-year celebration of our work among the Lozi people in Western Zambia. So I traveled out there for the national conference. Normally, they have about 100 to 130 people register to attend the national conference. People from the churches all over the country come in. This year, we had over 300. And on the afternoon when we celebrated the official 20-year celebration. Government officials came in, and they invited other churches to come in, other pastors from the area to come in, and we had over 500. So I'm very excited to see the, the growth of the work there in Zambia as well. Been to Zimbabwe three weeks ago. I was preaching in Zimbabwe, in Bulawayo, speaking to, our, to several of our churches. We had a combined service. I think we have five congregations in the city of Bulawayo now, so they all came together. And that was a good day. So I do travel around and continue to minister and teach and train in our other works. But our main focus is in Inyambani, Mozambique, among the Tonga. Next picture. Part of what we do, much like what you do here in Windsor, is to try to be holistic and see the needs around us. And there's so many needs around us all the time. And people are coming at us and wanting to help. So we developed what we call the ECHO Project. It's like a subcategory of our ministry. ECHO stands for education, compassion, health, and opportunity. So that we help in all those areas. 
And uh, we have a little short video here that shows one of our projects that we've done that I think shows you the people and, and what we're involved in. So we'll have that video now. Hey guys, Isaac here in Mozambique today. That's in Africa, by the way. In front of me here is um, the Echo Project, attempting to install a well to prevent women from having to walk three miles a day to carry their daily water. I like to consider myself, you know, no world-class athlete or anything, but at least, you know, somewhat in shape. So I'm wondering today what it would be like to try and carry the water myself. On our way to the well now, this group of ladies behind me has offered to assist me on my way to the well. Um, I'm carrying the water in this. I've been hiking for about half a mile. I'm doing great. I don't know a word of what they're saying behind me. Um, I think they are amused though. <laughs> All right, I don't know how far we've walked yet, but it is hot and humid. I made it to the watering hole right here. I wouldn't want to drink this. this no, I would not want to drink this. There we go. How much did you say? How much water was in here? So, got about 40 pounds of water. This, this, this is gonna be exciting. Precisa ajuda ele para. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how people do this. My back's already starting to cramp up. We've walked a hundred yards. Okay, so they're they're showing me how to do it here. I think I think the secret is the secret is a little red thing. Mm -hmm. Little red thing on her head. She does it effortlessly. We're gonna try this again. Okay. Just trying to hold it steady. Water definitely, water definitely sloshes around a lot. Okay, so the red thing definitely helps. Back is starting to cramp. Arms are exhausted. <laughs> we haven't even hiked a quarter mile yet, I don't think. I think I need to take a break. This is, this is a lot of work.
taking a break in the shade. These ladies, they're making fun of me. I don't know how they do this. They're, they're down the road waiting for me. This water actually looks really refreshing, but I'd probably get sick. Oh my goodness. asking if I want to uh, dump some of the water out, but what would be the point if you dump some of the water out? They, um, they don't carry half empty buckets, so I can do it, I can do it. I'm trying to think of a new way to carry this. I don't think I can get it down. Can you help me? Ah, water is so good. Back the well, I made it. <laughs> As you saw, they, they celebrated for me. I was, I was given this, this sugar cane as a gift probably for entertaining them all day. I'm not sure, actually. The well we're here at is being funded by Echo Project and my friend Scott. 100% um, of donations go to the well and the projects that they do. There's no administrative cost. 100% of donations go to the well. By, uh, by installing these wells, not only does it prevent women from making that long walk, but it also helps them, helps them to stay healthier with uh, cleaner water for drinking, cleaner water for drinking, um, as well as being able to bathe and keep cool. Definitely, definitely a word because I know that I will be making a donation now. Um, thank you for watching. Like, subscribe, and please donate. I'll have a Echo Project's um, website link in the, in the description. My friend Scott will greatly appreciate it, along with all these women, all these men, who will have fresh drinking water. Thanks, and um, I'm gonna go relax. The guy in the video, he came over, he was a friend of Jack and I from Grand Junction. His father brought him over and he did, they did this as their contribution in ministry and made a lot of these videos. Anyway, the ladies also kept asking, why won't they let us carry it? I go, no, he's trying to show what it's like. And they kept going, just let us carry the water, because they don't stop and take all the breaks like he does. Uh, but I was glad he was doing it and not me, because I would have died. 
Uh, we do much more than just the water wells uh, when we meet the needs. Uh, this man, this young man here is named Shiku. He's blind. He's 17 years old. Uh, he had some kind of genetic problem, I guess, is what they, what they told us. They didn't know exactly why. Anyway, he's gone blind. He's holding a little proclaimer, that, uh, a solar power that plays the Bible, the New Testament. And so he sits there and listens to that and learns. It's amazing what he's learning about the Word of God by listening to it. Uh, we've got him connected to the social services in our town, which are not very effective. But Lord willing, in February, he will go, when they start the new school year, we start in February, he will go to the one blind school in the whole country. Uh, he's been learning Braille. And so he's a great young man. Uh, the food packets, we give monthly packets to, to his family to help. His father died uh, suddenly, so his mother is raising all the children by herself. And so we just give out food packets to widows, uh, those taking care of some of the orphans, um, to several people who are handicapped. And we do that just to help them make it through the month. And so the Echo Project does that. In a little bit, we'll have the story of this woman sitting in that little hut. The day before I left Mozambique, so what, three weeks ago, we, I went with my disciples and we put a new roof on that hut for Amelia. Uh, it's the first time in her life she's ever had a tin roof. And uh, this year we've been able to bless her. We found out, I don't know why I never thought about it, uh, that she had no toilet facilities at her house. She'd have to go a long distance and you'll see how she has to move. And so we built that earlier this year. Someone donated some cement, someone who works uh, at one of the lodges in the area. And so the church then put in a floor for her. So she now has a new toilet this year, a concrete floor in her house, and a zinc or tin roof on her house. Anyway, she's uh, one of my heroes of the faith, which you'll get to hear her testimony a little bit later on. So this is some of the things that we do as an ECHO project. This year we've had many exciting things happen. One was you sent over your pastor and assistant pastor, Jeff and Jack, came over and encouraged me. And they got to attend the wedding of one of the leaders, Ivan Nildu. He's one of the first early converts from when we moved to Inyamban. He is now the lead pastor in our city of Inyambani. He got married to Judith. So there's a picture up there, and we got to celebrate that. And so uh, you know, we just do life like you do here. Next, please. Uh, our family, who you help support. We have three children. You've, uh, my wife was introduced. Uh, the big thing for us this year is that my youngest son graduated from school. He went to boarding school up in Kenya. And so he's now in Texas going to university. And so someone, sa someone says, you know, is it hard to have all your kids far apart? And I say it's actually, it's actually for the first time easier than for the first time in many years. For a number of years, our kids were in three different time zones in three different countries because some were, uh, our oldest was here in the States. My daughter stayed with us and did homeschooling in Mozambique. And my youngest son was up at boarding school in Kenya. So for us, it's much easier to have them in one place in a single time zone makes talking to them so much easier. My daughter there is in her picture, dressed in her Mozambican African dress, carrying the Mozambican flag for the Parade of Nations or all the students, international students. They do an opening ceremony at her university. And so she's very happy every year to uh, show off the, the uh, Mozambican flag. Next picture. We're about discipleship. We're about making and planting seeds to grow the kingdom of God, much like what you're doing here. And so the question is, how do we do that? How do you change the worldview of people who are so different than what we are here? And, and I hope that by the end of today, you'll see really what I do is not much different than what you do here in Windsor. Next. In 
missions classes, we talk about changing the worldview. We have three different areas. You have observable behaviors, which is the most easiest for us to see by what people say, where they go, what kind of job they have, uh, what kind of house they live in, what kind of car. You make assumptions based on observable behaviors. But that doesn't really tell what goes on deeper on the inside. Deeper are your belief system. What you believe dictates where you go, what you do. And behind your belief system are your core values or your core beliefs. And really to transform culture, to transform people's lives, we have to get to that deeper core center. So how do we do that? We think we have the slides fixed. Yes, look at this. So observable behaviors, what does that mean? Well, like you here. You know, I can see if, my, if I'm making disciples for Jesus Christ, do they go to church? Do they pray? Do they fast? Um, do they have a prayer life? Those are simple, observable things. But it's when you get to the smaller details that you really see, are you changing the inside? Like, what do you do when somebody's sick? Do you participate still in traditional ceremonies where they offer sacrifices to the ancestors? When they go to the doctor when they get sick? Um, I think of even Jose, the first guy that we baptized, the first convert in Mozambique when we moved there many years ago. He works for me as a gardener. And he'll come and say, Scott, we've got a problem here. And it's like, well, what is it? Did the lawnmower break? You know what? Nope, there's a chameleon in the yard. And he's terrified of chameleons. Because he says, I go, well, look, it's, it moves slow. We think they're cool. I mean, many of us might want to even have one for a pet. And yet he'll go, no, look at it. It changes color. That's not natural. That's, that's witchcraft. You know? It's like, no, change behavior. So it's like I have to move the chameleon out of the yard or else he has to quit for the day because he's terrified of the chameleon. Uh, same thing with them. Like if they see an owl that lands in the road or is in a tree and they're going someplace, they will stop and turn around, maybe not even go. Nope, can't go there today. Why? Because there was an owl. Well, to them, owls represent witches. And so they're terrified of the witches. So how do we get to changing those core beliefs, those core center things? Well, we have to work on changing their belief system. So what does that mean? Uh, over there, my, you know, who is God in their life? How do they spend their money? Uh, the roles of male and female in the society. Uh, how you participate or do marriages or funerals. I think of recently one of my, one of my disciples, uh, Francisco, he sent me a message. His wife had just had a baby. And it's like, he goes, no, my father's going, what do we do? What are, what's the ceremony do we do with the placenta? Because for them, they have to do certain ceremonies and honor the ancestors and do certain things. He goes, can we do that as a Christian? These are core things that go to the heart of, of who they are. Right and wrong. Do you know that sin is not defined the same everywhere you go? Uh, lying is something I deal with all the time. What I define as a lie is not a lie to them necessarily. And so, like when I go to my mechanic and it's like, okay, how long is it going to take to fix my car, to change the oil or whatever? Oh, it'll be ready, you know, because I'll say, I need it tomorrow. They'll say, when do you need it? I need it tomorrow. I have to go somewhere. Oh, it'll be done by tomorrow, no problem. I go the next day, show up expecting to get what? My vehicle. They've not even popped the hood and looked at the engine yet. They haven't even started. Oh, when's it going to be done? Oh, it'll be ready today. Just, just come back this afternoon. Come back this afternoon. Maybe they pop the hood and still not drain the oil. Why? Because they're telling me what they want, what I want to hear. Oh, they don't want to disappoint someone in the culture. To me, I say, you're lying to me. Just tell me when it will be really ready so I can know when to come and I can make my plans. 
that's a simple explanation or a simple, simple example, but it's something we deal with. How do you change worldview? But it's not anything different than what you guys do here, really, because really we, we're wanting to change worldviews, belief systems in people when we lead them to Christ. Well, I believe that the, the key is the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict men of sin in their lives. And so how do we do that? Well, to me, um, I'll read it here because it's kind of small on the screen. Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nation nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so to try to introduce people and let the Holy Spirit transform a person from the inside out is our goal over there. Next slide. What I've come to realize is like we can have good theology because my disciples, if I ask them, it's like they know the Bible. In fact, I'm impressed all the time. They'll say, oh, I was talking to so-and-so when I told them this. I go, man, I didn't even know you knew that story. They know the Bible. And they know good methodology. They know how to do church. They know how to go and plant a church. They know how to enter into a place and pray and, and do everything. Those are the mechanical parts. But what is the key is the Holy Spirit. How are we led by the Holy Spirit? If you look in the book of Acts, they were led by the Holy Spirit to go know who to go talk to, who to go preach, uh, how to deal with issues. The Holy Spirit was key. And so how do we, as cross-cultural missionaries, bring that apart as a reality in their life? And this is the same struggle for you guys here. It's exactly the same. We deal with the same concept, the same mission, and yet maybe some of the situations are a little bit different that we deal with in Africa than you deal with here. Uh, I think the best thing is to have Amelia give her testimony so that you can see what it means to see a transformed life. I'm going to read.
Amelia is one of my heroes. Uh, in Luke chapter 21, the first two verses, there's a little story of about how they were walk- he was with his disciples and he was watching the people who came and put their offering in the, in the temple buckets or boxes or whatever they took. And it talked about a little old w- widow woman who put in her two little pennies, the only money she had. And you know what Jesus says? He says, wherever the gospel is shared, her story will be told. It's those kind of people that are, are the heroes in God's book. And Amelia, to me, is one of those heroes in God's book. And she knows Jesus today because we were able to go, because people like you, this church, could help send us. So that's what we're about. We're about being Jesus, living Jesus, among a people who are very different, have different language, different customs, and yet we see God transforming lives. And on behalf of my family, uh, Lisa and I and my children, we just want to say thank you for partnering with us in this mission of God. Thanks, Jack. <laughs>